Hey, Antonio, welcome back. Hey, Adam. Yes, back. I was in the podcast a few months ago, and now I'm back. Like Yes, with some small injury, you know. You told uh, me that the most painful thing you can get is well, a destroyed toe, right? Yeah, destroyed toe with no nail. So that's why I had to cancel the, our meeting last week. I was, you know, mm-hmm. went to the hospital, took painkillers, and I thought I can't, you know, I can't go to Adam's podcast and bleeding mm-hmm. with uh, with my toe. So here I am, alive and kicking. Well, not kicking yet, but alive. Just because of the missing nail, you get a painkillers. What's wrong yeah. with you? I, I thought you were a Java developer, Java champions. Usually, you know, Java <laughs> champions, there is a contract. No painkillers, you know? <laughs> no painkillers. <laughs> well, you know, we have... Um, you and I have started Java many, 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 many years ago. Yeah. And we used to compile with a Java C dash dash CP and put a huge class pass with a lot of stuff before Maven or End. So, yeah. We, yeah, without painkillers. Without painkillers. And, and, and you are actually wrong. It was just one dash. Minus Damn CP. it. You saw? I haven't done that, but yeah. No, no, I will, yeah. I will cut it out. Cut it out. No, no <laughs> cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I will lose my Java champion medal. <laughs> yeah, you lose it anyway because of your painkillers and the nails. So yeah, um, we so also will have to cut it out. Cut it out. So uh, uh, the most important question of the podcast: Where is now the nail? In the cloud. Ah, okay. So you are nailless, no serverless, um, nailless, yeah. <laughs> Antonio. <laughs> yeah. You know, we in the cloud, you can do serverless, and yeah. now you can do nailless. Yeah. That's perfect. So um. Java on Asia, now to, to the main topic, right? So, or, or side topic, we can say. So, um, I was, um, I attended Java One, and what I remember is a booth, and uh, with a huge banner, Microsoft loves Java. When and was that? When was that? Which year? It had to be 2013, 14, something like this. And, um, and it was the first time I remember that Microsoft was on Java One, at least, you know, so prominent. And it was in the near of the booth of IBM. This is also what I remember because I had a question regarding Open Liberty. So I went to the Open Liberty booth, and Open Liberty was new. And then I saw Microsoft, and I say, "What they are doing there? You know, with uh, Microsoft loves Java and everyone." And I say, "Okay, now now it's interesting." And I and I, and I walk, you know, from and there was Aaron, Aaron Schnabel actually on Open Liberty an IBM booth because I had some questions regarding. Actually, I know what I ask, you know, regarding how to make Open Liberty Linear just to start, you know, whatever you need to start and then walk, you know, to, to the Microsoft booth just to check out what they are doing there, right? And there was a Brian Benz and Brian was the nicest guy. And I say, hey, what up? What's up? You know, years you, you told us, you know, .NET is the, is the thing to, to do and, 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 and J++ and all the disaster from 1997, and he was the nicest and said, okay, we do Java and we don't care. And uh, this is what I remember. And and um, and you also know Brian, right? Yeah, Brian Benz. So Brian Benz is a Java champion. And, was it uh, before or became Java champion oh, at Microsoft? good question. Good question. I don't know about that. Uh, I don't have the answer. But um, I know that Brian Benz joined Microsoft in 2012. And um, he even wrote a blog about it. I'll, you know, I'll give you the link. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, he says, you know, I'm quoting him. And he says, around 2012, Mm -hmm. Java at Microsoft was seen as a rival. 
because, you know, Microsoft was doing .NET. But then it became an, an amazing opportunity because now, you know, I, I, I joined Microsoft just 18 months ago. Uh, Brian has been there for more than 10 years. And why did I join? Because, you know, um, Azure is full-on Java. There's 14 Java champions at Microsoft, you know, for the last five, six years. 30 There's now, because one was, you know, uh, cancelled because of the painkillers. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we have, you have 13 Java champions, uh, you know. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, definitely Brian Benz was the bravest. Uh, he, he arrived at a very, very early stage. He would, you know, he did a, a few conferences at a very stage of uh, Azure supporting uh, Java. Well, today we will talk about it, but there's there's many, many runtimes uh, mm -hmm. supported in, in Azure. It's very easy now to deploy, a, uh, you know, an executable jar uh, easily in one command to the cloud. Uh, but at that time, it wasn't uh, the case. And Brian was already doing uh, conferences about mm -hmm. this topic. Yeah. So the 14 Java champions is like the Jedi Knights, right? This is almost like, it seems like so you have everyone, you know. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Microsoft, like Oracle, like IBM, has its internal, you know, like MVPs and uh, mm -hmm. Microsoft uh, valuable people or something like, uh, like that. And Java champion, as you know, is, is historically comes from Sun. Mm -hmm. So um, it's just external Java champions that um, were hired by by Microsoft throughout the, I would say in the last five to six years where it started to boom. And to be honest, um, when I joined Microsoft, um, I I already had many friends, uh, Java, Java champion at Microsoft. I already had many friends doing Java at Microsoft, and I was wondering what was happening. And when I joined, I saw this amazing energy around Java on on Azure. And my job is to help customers. Mm -hmm. So I have customers throughout the world who deploy um, applications to Azure. Either they start their journey in, in migrating from on-prem to Azure. Some of my customers already have been on Azure for, for years and need more. So my job is uh, basically helping customers throughout the year, throughout the world, uh, who have Java workload because our team has a .NET side and a Java side. And I only do Java workloads uh, to, to Azure. There was one guy, I forgot his name, famous one. I think he worked for Sun Microsystem and the Java Virtual Machine. Really nice guy. or uh, Sun or Oracle, but I suspect even Sun. And then switched to Microsoft and kept working on the JVM. He attended all the JVM summits. You remember he was Java champion and he's still active. Uh, he was uh, very involved, you know, in the internal JVM. Well, at, you, you know, you know, at the at the moment we we have Martin Verberg. Yeah, um, but this was prior. Uh, this was prior. Uh, it was very. It was. He was we very. We also famous. have no uh, Kirk Pepperdine. Even earlier. So, uh, even earlier. Even earlier. It okay. was, um, I, I would have to look it up. I always and I remember his name. Back then it was a huge, you know, why he's doing that. And he, this was way before Asia. He switched He switched to Microsoft and kept, you know, um, attending the JVM Summit conferences 
and contributed his knowledge and he worked. So it's really interesting, you know. I I I will remember because he's a really nice name, really nice guy, and he was really helpful. It was like you know something like around the Java puzzlers, you know, some this this kind of uh, this oh, okay. kind of uh, yeah. of. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, but uh, well, we have we have very gamma. Even if it's not on the Java side, but that is the Eclipse uh, guy, and and yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, why Java? On. He 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 attended all Java conferences with yeah. the Eclipse, you know. He also yeah, yeah. He, yeah. But we, you know, why do we have Martin Kirk and and all these people? It's uh, because now uh, Microsoft has um, a Microsoft build of Open JDK, so we uh, we support you know Azure supports Java eight. Java 11 and Java 17 with our own Microsoft build of JDK. So mm -hmm. um, you know, Microsoft is part of the Open J, uh, JDK uh, consortium, Eclipse Adoptium. Uh, you know, we are there. And we even contributed, well, we, you know, the, the, the JDK team even uh, contributed to port um, the JDK on, on, on Windows. So we... We have our own um, own build of OpenJDK with monitoring functionalities for for Azure, but we also contribute on the JDK itself. Mm -hmm. So, but um, are you also deploying in your work, you know, to Java to to Azure, or just you know consulting with so you are still you know hands on hacking? Oh yeah, yeah, stuff? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know that's. Uh, companies like uh, Microsoft, Google, all these companies, you can um, you can um, do a career being technical. You don't have to be a manager. You know, I I work and live in France, and I became a contractor 17 years ago to avoid being a manager because most of the big French companies, once you reach a certain age, you know, when you reach 30 years old. They turn to you and say, "Hey, you should stop developing. You should become a manager. thirty years. Okay, then I have still some some years, you know, to go. No <laughs> so, yeah, um, I have a very very technical job. Uh, cool. I, I don't have to manage anybody. I'm so pleased about that. That's and cool. Then we can talk yeah. now a little bit about technology. So, uh, all the all the possibilities you would run Java. I think the first one is the most boring one, or not boring. I mean, the most basic one." Would be to run Java on on a virtual machine, or I mean, yep. on, on 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 just how to call it on not bare metal on on, yeah. on virtual machine, not Java virtual machine, rather the virtual machine. Yeah. yeah so yeah. how you would do this, and what you I'm would interested in, bicep. <laughs> yeah. Now uh, I mean, you could do this because yes. um, I, I had um, uh, I uh, attendee on on my workshop, and and they do it for costs, right? So they said uh, in their particular case, it's cheaper, you know, to to uh, to hire or to rent a machine, huge machine, and run multiple application services cheaper than having no containers for the, just economic reason. So, and what I'm particularly interesting in is Bicep, you know. So, um, so is it how hard would it be to use Bicep, you know, to ship Quarkus on a virtual machine from on Asia, and see Hello World? Well, actually, um, we. Well, we, Julien Dubois, as you know, another another Java champion. Okay. A couple of years ago, he created an open source tool called Nubgens. I will find out the, I will find out the, the, uh, the URL for you. And it's actually very interesting. You, it's like a wizard, very basic. 
and you go, I have this app, it's running mm -hmm. Spring, or it's running Quarkus, or it's running this and that. Please uh, generate some uh, a Terraform or Bicep templates. Mm -hmm. And then he generates biceps, and you go bang. Uh -huh. Really, really easy. Um, yeah, noobsgen.com. Um, I'm, I'm posting that on the on the chat and it's because uh, to be honest when you're a java developer uh writing terraform or or bicep templates can be a bit complex and uh, this tool you know uh, uh, generates all these templates for you and then uh, you can customize them you know it generates just text files uh, yaml files and that's all um Coming back to your question, of course you can uh, deploy Java on VMs, and the the customer that you had, if they have chosen, you know Azure VMs, that's uh, maybe for a, a good cause. Uh, that's why we have several runtimes, but it's definitely not the easiest. Uh, as you know, if you have your own VM somewhere in the cloud on Azure or other pro, pro, pro providers, uh, you have to look after everything. You have yeah, to sure. Uh, no, security, sure. But uh, what I want to do, I would just, you know, have all the possibilities. I, I could actually run on a single VM, yep. um, bind to a public IP address and expose it via generated DNS name, right? Yeah, yeah. If I would like to have the nice DNS name, so I, will, I guess I would need a load balance or something up front, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is, uh, this is uh, the first one. And the most boring one because you can install on VM whatever you like. And by the way, and one of the most complex too, because um, you know all the security and the networking around the VM, you have to do it uh, yourself. Of course, Azure will help you, but to a certain point. And deploying to a VM, you know, uh, when I arrived at Microsoft eighteen months ago, I didn't know all the computes, mm -hmm. you know, Azure App Service functions, blah blah. And yeah, my first choice was hey. I have a side project. Let's let's do an Azure VM. It mm -hmm. was so painful. It was so painful. You know, I'm not a network expert, and network issues were so complex. The two painkillers, so, right? So yeah, two, uh, two, two pills, two pills, two pills. Okay. The two red pills. and the blue. <laughs> so yes, the the most I would say basic one that you know everybody understands is a VM. But then you have to understand that you have to do a lot of work yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I found the name of the guy, Neil Gafter. I think he's not part of Microsoft anymore. Okay, but, but he was, right? right? Yes, so he was, and right. he joined Microsoft yeah. incredibly early. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and um, and you know, Java programming. Okay, and, and he this is interesting. Also, he joined Microsoft. He still kept working on 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 JVM and attended JVM Summit and stuff like that. So it was interesting. Really nice guy. Okay. So now, okay, this is the first one. So the next thing which I really like are Azure Container Instances, ACI. Yes, yes. The simplest one, right? Yeah, the simplest one. Yeah, I agree. ACI Azure Container Instance. You have a container. With or without Java, mm -hmm. you push it to a to ACI. It works. Yeah, uh, you can and to, push and it to, and to configure this, to configure this, you need maybe twenty lines of JSON. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very. But this, this is all, but this is what I always you know uh, tell my my clients. They say, okay, what's about portability? 
It's like, okay, if I have to rewrite the 20 lines of JSON, I don't care about portability, right? So this is like, this is like, you know, then I will write for you the 20 lines and go somewhere else, you know, because they, they say uh, this ACI is not, you know, it is, I, I'm, you know, depending on Asia and we have to use Kubernetes. Like, okay, then uh, either we write 20 lines of JSON or, you know, 2,000 lines of YAML and then are portable, right? So this, yeah. is, this, this is the thing. Okay, interesting. A so, ACI mm -hmm. was, uh, I think, the one of the first uh, 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 cont uh, containerized services. Mm -hmm. uh, when I joined Microsoft, we already had ACI, mm -hmm. but really, really quickly after I joined, uh, there was Azure Container Apps in preview, mm -hmm. and Azure Container Apps is Azure Container Instance on on steroid because um, ACI is for one container, you can't do much with it. It's very easy to deploy. But Azure Container Apps is a full-on managed uh, containerized environment. So you can have several containers that can talk to each other. They can scale to zero, scale from zero very easily uh, using Keda. So most of, most of the time, you don't even have to do anything. It just scales down to zero automatically and scales up from zero you know, automatically. Of course, our customers can then customize it. But um, Azure Container Apps is not that old. It's uh, more than a year old now. But it's, um, if you have instances on Azure Container Instance, ACI, have a look at Azure Container Apps. Mm -hmm. Really interesting. And again, it's containers. So it could be, you know, Java, Python, whatever. Mm -hmm. And what I like about that, first, the pricing as yep. um, serverless almost, because you are paying yep. for virtual CPU second. So it is uh, very similar pricing to uh, Azure, Azure Functions or Lambda. Yeah, exactly. And uh, what you say at Keda, it sounds like Kubernetes. So what I like about the service that Kubernetes is working behind the scenes, yes. but I don't have to care about Kubernetes. Yeah. So I have nothing against Kubernetes unless someone forced me to write the YAMLs, you know, because I, <laughs> I, I remember, you know, my XDocLet days where we try, you know, to hide all the generated. It's like, again, really, do we have to do it again? So uh, for me, you know, Azure can use Kubernetes all the time behind the scenes, but I'm absolutely not interested, you know, with playing with the YAMLs again. Yeah. So and um, and I also uh, remember this. Uh, this was um, I. Uh, we almost almost used that in a project. The problem was the uh, preview was not available for the premium SKU. I think you know where you have the special network requirements and stuff like that. But now I think it's, it, it seems like uh, it is released product. It's called Asia Container Apps. And <clears throat> what I assume is, so the problem with ACI was it was hard or. It was hard to have a load balanced app, which is, you know, which um, it, if it failed, it failed. There was one instance and whereby the um, Azure, cont uh, Azure container apps, I always, I always confuse Azure container apps with Azure container app service. So you have to be careful. So when I mean Azure container apps, I mean the thing which runs on Kubernetes and behaves like ACI, but is clustered. Yeah. That's what I mean, right? It is clustered, can scale to zero, right? I think, you know, when we we introduced this buzzword serverless. I think we made, um, we associated it to, to, to functions. And for a lot of people, serverless equals function, function equals serverless. Mm -hmm. um, but Azure Container Apps is a serverless yeah. uh, runtime. We have Azure Functions, but yeah, as you say, it can scale to zero and you pay nothing. 
Yeah. You know, you you actually pay zero. So, and we have customers who are using Kubernetes for many, many years. They are comfortable with Kubernetes. So we have Azure Kubernetes Service, AKS. But we have customers now who are confident with containers. They have been containerized for a few years, but they are not confident with Kubernetes. As you say, some customers find it too difficult. Azure Container Apps, it's perfect. It's really, really perfect. It's, it's the runtime I, I like the most. We have Azure App Service. Uh, you were getting confused with Azure Container Apps and yeah. Azure App Service. Azure App, App Service is really good if you have a jar file and you but push back, it to the back cloud. Back to serverless. Back yep. to serverless. My observation. You are also uh, a young Java E uh, and Glassfish guy, right? So, and, uh, we, I love I don't when think you say young. Yeah, you're young because you said you know you're almost thirty, and then you have the problem that someone will expect you know that uh, you will you will uh, you will be become a manager. So I also have the problem. I view years, no, we are all thirty, and what do you do then? But as we were you know in the fifteens, so we talk about Glassfish and Java E and stuff like that, right? As we are teenagers, and um, and uh, what I what I recognize is that. Uh, all of us somehow, without talking to each other, we share some, or at least is my impression, some, you know, some specific, you know, uh, expectation. What should happen? What is the next step? And for me, this, the entire Java E with Glassfish, uh, Glassfish and whatever was, I just like, you know, to, 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 to build my business logic and don't bother with deep plumbing. So this was what I really like all the years. So people suspected I worked for Sun or was sponsored by Glassfish, which was never true. <laughs> I just wanted, you know, to, 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 to build my business logic and have vacations. This was basically what I wanted. I don't want you know, to, to understand 50 runtimes in order to build Hello World. I was not interested in Whitefly, Glassfish, nothing, just write a code and go home. And serverless is the same. Yep. yep. So this is, what, uh, this is why I really like serverless, because... I see in the pricing, and if I already see vCPU, this is, this is great. So I just, you know, buy the CPU, and I really don't care about, you know, all the networking, whatever. I just yeah. pay and, and done. And the cool story is it goes further because uh, I don't have to ship the operating system. If I don't ship the, you know, the, the, the operating system, I, I don't have to patch it. So, and this is yeah. no, and, 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 and entire cascade. So serverless for me means it should be, it should be called servers are not important mode you know we, <laughs> we, are not important yeah let's so create have, a new yeah, acronym yeah so we have we have one acronym you know i care about service and then i don't care about service and i'm in the camp i don't care about service so i and then serverless makes absolute sense and you're right and i think that the serverless what it means is that you get consumption-based pricing and this uh, lambda doesn't matter you know the, the 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 thing doesn't matter you 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 call something and you pay per call and if you buy the server, you buy the server and you can call the server how often you like. The problem is you are in charge of really utilizing the server. If you don't manage, you know, to, to run the server and 80% of CPU or whatever, it is really hard to get your money back. Whereby here I can scale up and down and I have peace of mind. I focus on my business logic, what I did the last, you know, 15 years with Java E. And, uh, and, and now we are done, right? So I would yep. say the serverless is from my perspective should be the default unless you know you have heavy load whatever and then we have to pick you know the virtual machine or whatever we had before but i like your analogy you know we 
we develop business code and someone else uh, develops gl glassfish jboss yeah, exactly. uh, name them and that's that's that you know that i now that i'm on the other side and help customers doing crazy stuff i i can acknowledge the difficulty of uh, managing network mm -hmm. of managing security of managing monitoring mm -hmm. we are talking about distributions we but really distributed you know multi regions etc it is so complex and mm -hmm. i'm really happy to have services like azure container apps yeah. where you deploy a container and the entire structure and as you said there's a kubernetes underneath but i don't care exactly and um <clears throat> So that's why we have all these compute uh, runtimes. We were talking about VMs, ACI, AKS, Azure Container Apps. Because depending on the level of management that you want, uh, you can either do everything your, yourself with VMs or do nothing, uh, basically, with, uh, with Azure Container Apps. What also interesting is that the uh, entire Kubernetes was hidden on purpose, right? So they say it is not necessary to know about Kubernetes. We are using Kubernetes. How how it was actually meant? So I had a chat with Kelsey Hightower on the podcast, and he also said, you know, Kubernetes was never supposed to leak. It interesting, was interesting. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, he said, you know, the YAML. It, it was never meant that you write the YAML. It's actually so. It was like it is a platform to build platforms. And this is done the right way in uh, Azure, Azure Container Apps. You know, and sometimes we even have customers who come from the Kubernetes world who want to move to Azure Container Apps or move to Azure Container Apps. And the first question is, can I hack something underneath in Kubernetes to help me doing something? And the answer is, no, you can't. <laughs> yeah, like No, but I want to, you know, yeah. I want to open up the, the engine and, Put yeah. my own tools on top of it. No, you can't. Yeah, and SSH also not possible, right? So yeah. say okay, and 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 you could also it's not impossible, I guess, to recompile the Linux kernel, right? So, uh, what what I remember, I was a consultant, and you know, a guy uh, on the left side, this, I exactly remember, he had a Linux distribution, and I forgot the Linux distribution, but he had to build, you know, the entire thing from source code, and it ran for days. And I say, why are you doing this? You know, you know, the machine went crazy. And it's like, yeah, but I get the best optimal, I don't know what, you know, best optimal solution for my Linux. He couldn't work for one half day. You know, everything was hot. And he was, and he said, why, why you don't, don't do it this, right? So why you not optimize your Linux? It's like, if I, if I look at you, you know, I'm not really interested to have the same pain. He was, I think he had at least, you know, five painkiller. Uh, uh, painkillers, uh, you know, after five days. So he he, he managed to compile his Linux, but I forgot I, the distribution of the Linux. And this is the attitude, I would say, in specific requirements, right? You have to you you have to have access to the machine, but then you use you know. I would say the architecture should be can be black or white. So if I write business code, I use serverless. But if I need to you know to talk to a very specific GPU. I wouldn't use serverless. I would buy, you know, the machine and talk to the GPU. We, and we also have, you know, we, here we are talking about uh, computes like Azure App Service, Azure Functions, Azure Container Apps. But then we have also plenty of customers who, you know, want to just do a rehost. So that's why Azure supports Tomcat, WebLogic, WebSphere. You know, we have a, 
a lot of customers are using WebLogic. We have WebLogics on VM and WebLogic on AKS. Mm-hmm. And basically, they have workloads working on-prem on WebLogic. They don't want to touch them. You know, it's part of their legacy. One day, it will die. And they just want to re-host in, in Azure. So yeah. But we you are have too fast, uh, Antonio. What I wanted now to ask you is the next service, web app for containers. Web apps? Yeah, for containers. Yeah, what, yeah. you have to say something. <laughs> web apps, well, um, are you talking about Azure Spring apps? or No, Azure web app for containers. There is a- okay, so Azure web apps is for the client side. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, typically today we have a front end and a back end. The front end you put, whatever you want, Angular, React, or whatever. And on the back end, we have Java. And um, you can host everything in Azure Container Apps if you want, because it's just a container. But yeah, we have Azure Web, uh, web Apps that it's optimized for web applications. Why? Because the static content, you know, the CSS, the images, etc., etc., uh, can be deployed on CDNs if you want, can be multi-regions, can be closer to your... To, to to your users while the back end can stay on the same. Uh, what I did in the, the past, I used, I think, Azure Blob Storage and yeah. you can expose the Azure Blob Storage as a website. This is what yeah. I did. There was an in, also nice, you know, like an explorer so I can push the app start. And it seems like this web app for containers is more integrated solution with CICD yes. and everything. But I yeah. think behind the scenes it still uses uh, Blob Storage, right? Yes, underneath, uh, no matter what you what you deploy, a container, you know, a file or whatever, of course, there's there's some Azure storage underneath. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's pretty cool because this um, we had the uh, Azure container apps already. We had the web apps for containers would be the front end, so we can host, for instance, Azure container apps. We could host Quarkus on that, yep. and the front end web components would be in web app for containers, for instance. Azure Container Instances is like the um, lightweight solution without clustering. Yeah, yep. Azure Container Registry, you need it everywhere because this is the place where the containers are pushed. So all the solutions will need this, right? Yeah, or you can leave them in Docker Hub. If you, you, know, mm-hmm. if you have your own, own image hub, yeah. uh, you can still use uh, your own. But yeah, we have Azure Container Registry, which is our... Docker yeah. Hub kind of stuff. But style. usually you would use this ACR because of Docker throttling or whatever, right? Yeah. And for companies, you've built something more, more uh, I would say, serious. Usually, yeah. I, we always go with ACR, Azure yeah. Container yeah. Uh, Registry, ACR. Exactly. There is something interesting. Azure Service Fabric. Yeah, I don't know about this one. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no I don't problem. Know the, I, you know... Um, you, you you have to you have to find it out you know uh, until you are thirty. But if you become thirty, is over with programming. We already said so. Uh, th- this is uh, this one. Um, I also never used that Azure Service Fabric. Yeah. Looks interesting. Uh, I just exactly. It's it's also you know a, a service to build uh, scalable microservices etc yeah. etc. But with Quarkus you don't need it. You know if you have uh, you know, a runtime which is bloated maybe, but if Quarkus is <laughs> lean and fast. <laughs> Lean and fast. Lean and fast. This is exactly how we are. So, uh, okay. So, um, Azure App Service now. Yeah. The Azure App Service is one is one layer above, right? Yeah. That's the um, you know Azure Container Apps. Brilliant, perfect, fantastic for containers. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we have. 
before, you know, Azure App Service is older, way older than uh, than Azure Container Apps, and that's, you know, you can even you can deploy uh, several kind of artifacts, but the but the easiest one is you have a, an executable jar file like Quarkus or Spring Boot, and you go to Azure App Service, you deploy your jar file, you have a, a list box saying run on Java 8, 11, or 17, and you're done. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no, there's nothing to be written, no no containers, no, uh, you know, you don't have to deploy anything. It is almost like Azure Function, which runs all the time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so would it, how hard would it be, you know, to have a main method which just opens a socket, you know, just without Corcus, without nothing. It's just Java 17, let's say. And we ship it, and it calls our main method. This would be also doable, right? Yeah, and plus we have uh, we have a few CLIs. We have uh, Azure CLI. Mm -hmm. You can create resources. You can mm -hmm. deploy stuff. But now we have Azure Developer, the AZD uh, CLI. Mm -hmm. So we have one CLI that Azure CLI. This is for ops, and AZD for uh, developers. And you know you can. Uh, we were talking about Azure Container Apps. You have AZ, Container Apps, up, mm -hmm. and it creates everything. It contain, creates an Azure Container Apps environment. It creates a registry. It creates everything, pushes your Docker image, and, and runs it. Same for Azure App Service. So it can be very, very easy to deploy, you know, Hello Worlds, in in a few common lines, of course, when you run in pro, in pro, in pro, in production and you have pipelines and secrets and writes and Azure Active Directory and so on, that's that's another level. But mm -hmm. it's very easy today to deploy Java workloads on Azure with just a couple of common lines. Mm -hmm. You already mentioned this, but uh, I think we covered everything but not Kubernetes, right? AKS, of course, is available. Yeah, if you have time to write YAML, you can of course use Kubernetes, right? Yeah, <laughs> we AKS is um, you know we have a lot of customers on on sure. AKS for different pur uh, purposes. One interesting purpose is what you're saying. You know, uh, remember the good old days when we had a WAV file and it will run without too much change and too much pain on WebLogic, on WebSphere, on JBoss, on Wildfly. Well, same thing. With uh, the Kubernetes, we have customers who have uh, Kubernetes on-prem, mm -hmm. but they want to go to the cloud on on Azure, but also on AWS or Google Cloud Platform, and they find that the Kubernetes is the the you know the Esperanto platform yeah. to yeah. deploy, because a lot of customers still keep on-prem um, on prem servers, and they want to deploy the same artifact on-prem and on Azure. And Kubernetes is a perfect fit for that. This is what I don't understand. Because of a client, they have uh, on-premise and high availability solution, and it runs actually on Docker Compose even, with, oh. uh, with HR proxy, I think. It runs for years, several thousand transactions per second, and they are happy. Now, the, and Docker Compose is Docker. If you take a look at the Docker... I could actually start it uh, on uh, AWS on Fargate, but I don't see, and without any modification, I could run the same Docker on ACI or, or Azure yeah. container apps. So it yeah. means, you know, without Kubernetes, I get the same because 
what the what the what do you know the Esperanto of the of all the clouds is um, how to call it container orchestrator. You will need a service which monitors your container and liveness and readiness probes are available even in ACI. So in ACI even you know expects you to have liveness probes. So the container is getting to be restarted and you need a kind of load balancer and this is all you need. And if you actually use Kubernetes, the problem is that the load balancer is not a part of the Kubernetes. So you get a different load balancer in every cloud. So I'm, I, what, what I'm just saying is, my ex, what my feeling is that the managers, some managers, don't understand that there is a cloud without Kubernetes. Yep. And the cloud without Kubernetes is actually a great cloud. It's a simpler cloud. And uh, for me, it's, uh, there are two, two possibilities, right? Portability or switching costs. Portability means without any changes, I can actually you know, uh, push the same app to, to multiple clouds. So um, the question is, how complex is the portability? How, how much time do I have to spend to test to achieve the portability? Or switching costs. You know, If uh, I have to write 20 lines of JSON and I'm able to switch between ACI and, uh, and uh, Fargate back and forth, I don't care about portability because I will spend uh, you know, uh, two hours and I can migrate my small app back and forth. And larger apps, I spend more time, you know, with networking regions. The regions are different. The IP addresses, the uh, security for in each cloud is completely different. So I would say the migration costs from cloud to cloud are not necessary, you know, to migrating the container rather than, you know, adopting the, the infrastructure, certificates, secrets. This is where you spend, you know, days, but not <coughs> moving the container around. But the... It really reminds, remember the good old days where we had web logic administrators and yeah. web sphere administrators. Those people were, you know, rocket science in every yeah. little detail of web yeah. logic and web sphere. And, and then Spring Boot came saying, hey, you know, this is just a jar file. Yeah, but how do I, uh, how do I customize it? Yeah. How do I administer it? And Spring Boot, well, yeah. you know, it's not my job. And I think it's the same thing. We have customers moving to AKS because they have years of expertise in Kubernetes and they are really expert in, in Kubernetes. But maybe it's a phase, you know, maybe I don't know how many experts of WebLogic there are, you know, in the market today, but definitely less than 10 years ago. And maybe the same thing will happen when I see Azure Container Apps. I love it. You know, it's yeah. it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing how simple you can deploy a container and it does all these complex stuff that you yeah. don't you don't know how it works but you know it works. Uh the interesting part is I get often hired you know to help my clients with Kubernetes. And I say okay, uh before you we do Kubernetes, I, I show you what we'll have to do to get Kubernetes. And I've showed them, I say okay, this is not as nice as we thought, right? So and and then, <laughs> and then they ask me what you would do, right? It's like, look, there are nicer, smaller services. It's like, yeah, but I'm not then depending on Azure or I'm depending on AWS. It's like, yeah, but the dependencies, you know, there's so much code. And then they start to understand that uh, they are dependent anyway. I mean, because they are depending yeah. on, on, on contracts, on, 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 you know, on the direct line express route between Asia and the backend or in direct yeah. connect on AWS case. And 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 it really, I would say simplicity is the key. But this is, I, I'm pretty sure. And and if you even look at the conferences, as my uh, my impression is that the Kubernetes is less and less, you know, interesting. So there are less and less talks about Kubernetes. It's just uh, no one talks about Linux. Everyone uses, but yeah. who cares, right? So exactly. 
Remember? Like everybody, yeah. yeah. You know, it comes to to the electric plug. You know, we don't yeah. care about the electricity. We yeah. know it works. And I'm sure Kubernetes will become, you know, uh, something that we don't want to know about. We don't want, you know, it's there, thank God, but uh, we don't want to yeah, it play moves with it. Yeah, it down the stack. Yeah. yeah. Re remember the guy, Alexis Mushin Pushkin? Pushkin, yeah. Remember him? Of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, I still see him. He's still a friend. He lives yeah, and, and uh, greetings to him. What I remember, Java 1, he came to me and said, hey, Glassfish v3 is modular. And I told him, why? I mean, this is crazy. <laughs> DV2 just worked. Who cares about your modularity? You know? I, I don't care whether you start five modules or, or 20. I just push my war. And I, if it starts fast, I don't care what you're doing inside. And this is what you said. You know? There are two, two sides. I was always, you know, the user of these services. And for me, convenience was important. The Glassfish V2, it just started. Then it started. The Glassfish V3 started half. And then I wanted to have an admin console. I had to wait again until, you know, the module <laughs> for the admin console wakes up and starts. And everyone, said, yeah, this exciting, now lazy loading of the container. And I was like, yeah, this is a crap. I, I would like to start everything. I know every time I need the console, right? Why I have to... And, and this is actually the, the, the interesting part. If you are a user of technology or you're implementing the technology, usually, you know, uh, you don't understand each other because they are completely different concerns. And from their perspective, from Glassfish internal perspective, was crucial to have modules because you cannot develop easily a monolithic code base. This was the problem from them. From the user perspective, a monolithic code base is perfect because uh, like a Quarkus, you have one jar, it starts. If, if, if Quarkus will ship, you know, with 50 jars, I would say you're all crazy. I mean, this is like we had it in Java at GDK 1.0 timeframe. This is a no, no improvement. And I would say monolithic thinking is good for user experience, but it's a problem to develop such a thing efficiently, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and this is what I what I uh, what I like. Um, for instance, these Azure App Service or the Azure Container Apps. This is convenient to use, and I don't care about the modularity of Kubernetes. Then I could replace every service, because I don't like it re replace every service. You know, I I have other problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is what, what what I think. But if I would be the engineer at YouTube, completely different story. If they're running the, the entire thing on Kubernetes, then you know, replacing a service, be able to replace a service, you know, and to achieve 0.5% improvement can save us a huge amount of money, resources, energy, whatever. But this is not my world. No, I'm still building, create, read, update, lead to a database yep. yeah, yeah. most of the time. No, the, the interesting thing with my, uh, with my job is I see different customers with different needs, different mm -hmm. workloads, different... And it's true that, um, you know, I was talking about WebLogic on, on AKS that we, uh, we support, JBoss e, EAP, we have a partnership with, uh, with uh, Red Hat. That's, you know, we have plenty of customers who are more than happy to leave a WAR file working from 1st of, of January till uh, 31st of December. But we also have customers who want fast uh, startup um, when you are doing Azure Container Apps or Azure Functions and you have a Java workload. You want your VM to start as quick as possible. That's also why now... You know, we see more and more Graal, Graal VM or Crack also. So we we have a few customers who do care about the startup time and mm -hmm. resource. Because, mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, um, 
we we also saw this how do they call it chief finance officer you know mm -hmm. um, 10 years ago you had your own servers you would pay them a fortune but yeah you know you would pay them once and then run as many workloads as you could on that servers now we in the cloud everything has a cost um, you know you can see all the costs of all your services, how much they run, etc., etc. So we do have customers looking to more and more into these costs and cutting down costs. And they need fast startup time. They need to scale to zero as, you know, as soon as they could. So that's why you know, Azure has such a rich uh, set of services because we do have customers who either need a web logic to run Three three hundred and sixty-five days, a, uh, you know, a year, or something that starts very, very efficiently, so it can go to Azure Functions or Azure Container Apps. Before we cover Azure Functions, because this would be my next topic, you already mentioned uh, OpenJDK, and yep. it seems like Microsoft is an OpenJDK distribution, right? Yep, it's called MS. Microsoft build of OpenJDK, yeah. Ah, very good, because uh, someone asked me this and I said, okay, it is called the Microsoft OpenJDK, so I was not that wrong. Um, yeah, 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 it's kind of, And if you have SDK men, you know, if you install mm -hmm. your JVMs with SDK men, you know, have a look, it's there. Mm -hmm. And the uh, my MS uh, OpenJDK, I assume is free and it's fully supported by Microsoft, so it's patched by Microsoft, right? Exactly. Exactly. And and behind the, the scenes, you know, when you have Azure App Service or stuff like that, it's also a JVM that it's uh, mo uh, monitored automatically. Mm -hmm. uh, monitoring is quite complex. Um, mm -hmm. That's what, you know, Martin Verberg and Pepperdine work on. Mm -hmm. um, they were, you know, before they joined, they had the J Clarity mm -hmm. software to analyze VMs and code and stuff like that. And that's what they are doing. And, you know, that's what I was saying. When we have these distributed VMs all over, you know, multi-regions, etc., to aggregate everything and have a single monitoring view, it's quite complex. So that's why also our, J our JVMs are you know, instrumented so they can uh, help you in in monitoring. Mm -hmm. um, one thing which uh, I didn't did in the past because most of my clients already have, you know, uh, Docker images with super images in the JVM. But assume I'm, I'm completely, you know, greenfield. And I would like to ship Azure Container app. So just the container, not the service, the app. Is there already available and let's say I'm and, and a blessed fully supported uh, Microsoft uh, Linux super image which you would say you know pick this one this is what we suggest with install JVM because this would be a nice experience you know what I mean you say okay if you would like to do Quarkus you can just you know pick the image this is like uh, I don't whatever distribution it is it is uh, like uh, battle proof Microsoft uh, Linux or uh, Ubuntu or whatever you have with you know MS OpenJDK like in a super image because this would be this would be enhance the serverless experience by saying okay pick this one and Java is already there. Yeah, good question. I don't know the answer to be honest, but I would love a look into it because it's quite interesting. You know when we do mm -hmm. 
Quarkus, it comes with the Docker image and you don't look into it. Mm-hmm. When, when you do Spring Boot, it comes with its own uh, Linux, etc. So uh, I've never looked into that. I'm gonna, this, this would be I'm a good a job uh, actually to, to be done because uh, what happens with the Quarkus, sometimes there are security issues in the UBI. Yep. So what you already had, I wanted to push it, you know, and the scan was uh, um, uh, was uh, cancelled because they say, okay, there is some some issue with that. And in production, I'm actually not allowed to do that because uh, no one knows when, you know, the super image from Quarkus is updated. So I always have to use something different. Now, either I create my own things. Uh, back then, I created a project called Docklands. But uh, usually, I, I prefer uh, images from my clients. But it would be nice, you know, if Microsoft yeah. would provide a super image and say, look, if you are based, you know, if you are just a Java 17 developer, there is our image, we patch it and go for it. So this would be it will uh, how to call it enhance the serverless experience as i said so okay yeah, true true now interesting part uh the uh you okay that we covered now the open jdk which is sorry uh, huh? we do have yeah i i just looked into it Very? i just looked into it yeah yeah well, we do have um container image for ms build of open jdk you see i'm going to pass it in the so, in the chat, in the chat? So and is the, the specific name for it um, no, it's a container image for the MS build of OpenJDK. It's called the Microsoft build of OpenJDK. Yeah, we, can, we should call it uh, the Antonio a, distribution from... Oh, from, from my God, no, no. Martin Martin and Kirk, maybe not me. <laughs> <laughs> they are managers, right? They, they are over 30, so they, uh, they are not allowed to code anymore. I think, you know, I had this They're still joke. hacking, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, they are. And there was... Last um, year, maybe for the audience, because this is like you know here inside baseball. But the uh, Kirk Pepperdine and uh, and Martin Fairberg, Martin was very, uh, or still is. He was very involved in the London Java user group community, and he 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 was like all over the place. He was like you know the Java rock star and champion on steroids. Yeah, and, and the Kirk Pepperdine, he was a really technical, and uh, and he always made this what I remember. The sun engineer's angry, right? He always <laughs> he always found something, you know, which which didn't Some, work or whatever. Uh, performance issues, performance somewhere. issues, whatever. This is this was the Kirk, <laughs> and and they created a startup, and um, and I always Jay met them Clarity. at Java One, Jake Clarity, Clarity. Yep. which try you know to improve the performance uh, with uh, with KI as of well with uh, KI is German AI uh, artificial intelligence. So with you know machine learning, some some you know early machine learning stuff to improve performance. I actually had uh, Martin already on the podcast here yeah, to talk about that. And they, they joined now, now uh, Microsoft. So this is the interesting part. Yep. And the OpenJDK we talk about, this is actually was created by them, you're saying. Yep. Yeah, yeah they, they have an entire team uh, working on that. And I remember last year, uh, we went to Javaland, this mm-hmm. Java, Java conference in Germany. Mm-hmm. And they had... Um, you know, there was Martin and people from Oracle mm-hmm. and people from Eclipse, you know, on stage answering questions about the JDK and the different builds, etc. And I had a question to the to the crowd saying, hey, Martin, are you still a Java developer or C++ developer? Because, yeah, they do they do uh, contribute to, to the JVM itself. So they, they have to contribute in, you know, Kind of C plus plus somewhere, but uh, but then they you know they patch our um, our distribution. They make sure um, it integrates with uh, with uh, with Azure and so on. So yeah, yeah. Martin and Kirk are still very 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 
technical people. Javaland, I have to tell you a story because as this Javaland started, so they approached me and say, "Will you speak at Javaland?" Like, well, what's the name Javaland? It's like this is great. This is Fantasyland, and I look at this. This is it's like this is well, what is this? It's like you know, this is for for kids. What are they doing? Yeah, after the talk, you can take a ride. I like, what a ride! <laughs> yes, and they say yes. the carousels, and, and I say I have no time. I just imagine, you know, we 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 meet at Java Java Javaland, and they say, "Hey, Antonio, stop! We have to take a ride." You know, with the I, I don't know what they have there. Or um, and I say maybe, but you know, if our conference, I would just like you know to talk with people, whatever. I don't not interested in carousels. There are still rights you have to write. Yes, notes. yeah, yeah, yeah. You can. I think I can't remember the days, but it was the second day on the okay. on the evening. There was rides and everything. The javelin experience is amazing. The, the venue is fantastic. So all these speakers and everyone just ride with the carousels there. If they don't have a broken toe, yeah, you can. Yeah, but they would know without the nail, it's a less less ear friction. You know, so you 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 are faster then. You know, if you have no, but it was very funny. After all the conferences, you have dinner. You can, you know, yeah, cool. beers, etc. After the and dinner, then... like I know a crazy ride, it would be it would be really interesting. You know, if the train is full, maybe before, <laughs> maybe before. Very good. Okay, now Azure functions. Yep. Because I use them, they are really interesting. Because I use them with Quarkus. Yep. And what surprised me, really surprised me, is you know the the developer experience. Because if you would like to do this, you get an official Maven plugin from Microsoft. And I said this is crazy. So Microsoft has a Maven plugin, and I use that. And uh, what happens then? The entire infrastructure is created from the plugin. Quarkus creates the function.zip. I forgot not function.zip. There's uh, something like this. It yeah. is just a zip yeah. file. And then you get the function. Behind, I always forget, it's not API Gateway, there's a different name for it, but the function behind uh, becomes available as, as HTTP endpoint. So you can yep. call it. Is it not, I forgot, what is the name? Is it the bus? You know, you need a specific thing before the function, which, uh, uh, which uh, listens to the HTTP uh, events, and then the events are forwarded to Quarkus, and Quarkus just calls regular, you know, the Java E APIs. So I forgot the name. And, um, and the interesting part is, uh, it is, for me, is very similar to uh, Azure Container apps, yep. but it is always scaled to zero, yep. right? So after every call, it's over. The, the, the function can be warm and hot, um, and uh, if you build, if you buy this for for the enterprise, you know the um, the uh, premium SKU, it is always warm. This is the interesting part. And yep. if you use the consumption plan, it's it it it's, it stops. It starts and goes, so it is um, exactly. And uh, for me, this is actually really interesting for specific enterprise projects because you don't have to pay all the time. You know, you just pay for what you use, and for specific pro project can be very cost effective. And and you were talking about the Maven plugin, uh, mm -hmm. and you know I was talking about the Azure CLI and Azure Dev CLI, the Maven plugin. We also have an Azure SDK, uh, mm -hmm. so we have an entire API and. Something quite fresh and new. We've started uh, contributing to Quarkus extensions. So um, we have, you know, Quarkus extensions mm -hmm. for Azure for mm -hmm. a, a couple of services. So you are talking about the Maven plugin. It's it, yeah, it's interesting that you you mentioned that because I really want to stress out how easy it has become to deploy, and you know, a Quarkus app as an Azure function, a Quarkus microservices 
into yeah. Azure Container Apps, Spring, Spring Boot, whatever, even a WAR file, even an executable job. Yeah, Spring Boot is way yeah, harder, with, but Corcus is easier, right? <laughs> <laughs> because with all this tooling, you know, we have Maven Gradle plugins, we have CLIs over the place, and I'm not even talking about the VS Code that has a fantastic, you know, plugins to Azure in mm -hmm. IntelliJ ID2. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it became very easy to, yeah. to push stuff to but the cloud. This is really easy. It worked from the beginning, so it's good for prototyping. But my mindset in the cloud is different. So um, the problem I have in the cloud is to delete the stuff you created, right? So And you create something from the command line, you have to exactly know what you created because otherwise you will spend some time deleting it again. So I try to automate everything from the beginning. So uh, what I did, for instance, with the Azure Container Functions, I used back then uh, Bicep to create the infrastructure and use the same name in the Azure, Azure plugin. And what happened then, the plugin recognized, okay, the infrastructure is there and it just deployed Corcus. So now this was my approach. So I don't, I don't like too much magic because uh, I would like to have repeatable environment. Yeah. And even if you know push, if you push uh, Corcus with one command, but I have five Corcus in multiple accounts, staging accounts, then it becomes complex. Yeah. So this is why I really like, what I really like is the bicep. Because the bicep is, if you compare it with Terraform, I don't know whether you had to use Terraform. Yeah. Terraform is, uh, is uh, I would say, maybe even worse than YAML from, from, <laughs> from, from, from Kubernetes. You don't have to tell it. You are the official Azure, I know, but I, I'm I just independent developer. So this is, <laughs> no, but, uh, Terraform is... But, but the Terraform, you know, in order to have a for loop, you already have you are on the PhD level. You know you have to counter and whatever happens, you have a kind of you know loop, and then you have to write you know five lines of comments. This doesn't look like a loop, look like a loop, but it is actually one, right? On if also not easy, right? So, but if you manage you know to implement for loop and an if, you are done. You know, and no kidding. With Terraform, in some projects they have thousands of Terraform. Yeah, yeah. And and if you take a look at the bicep. It is not Java, of course, it's our own language, but at least it's a language. And I get really nice, you know, I, I get really nice uh, uh, highlight, uh, syntax highlighting in Visual Studio Code, so it's well integrated. And what I like about that is also my approach, you know. So if I go back then, you know, if I use Quarkus, I really use Quarkus. Back then I used Glassfish, so I just wanted to use Glassfish. I was absolutely not interested in running Hibernate in Glassfish, it's like, because then I would go to Whitefly, why I should do this, right? So, And if I go to Microsoft, so then Visual Studio Code is from Microsoft, so I think for me the logical step is to use Bicep, because I already have to think, and if something breaks and I go to Antonio, the chances are the highest. Then Antonio knows Microsoft and not strange open source tools from, from, from the outside. But and then, uh, wait a sec. The last thing is portability again. This is what I wanted to say. They say, but but with Terraform, I could deploy everywhere, and this is complete mis mis misunderstanding, because if you if you go if you search Terraform Azure App Service, and you search Terraform Azure, uh, Elastic uh, sorry uh, ECS Fargate, then you will find that the Terraform syntax is the same, but the attributes the resource is completely different. So you cannot actually use Terraform and have multi-cloud deployment. This is technically impossible to my mind. You need a, some kind of translator or whatever. And then we are talking about abstractions and then I'm with you. Then I go with Kubernetes. But you will still have to have, you know, <laughs> Terraform to deploy Kubernetes. So this is a never-ending story. But for me, it's not a problem to have, to have you know, uh, on, on AWS, CDK, what I use with Java. And on Azure, I would use Bicep. And, and they are different anyway. 
So, I mean, but we are developers. Everyone knows how for and if works, right? And, and to learn bicep, the, the challenge is not to learn bicep, is to understand which resources you have to call. And you have the same problem with uh, Java SDK, with bicep, or with Terraform. Because um, to the audience, maybe, how all the clouds are working, the provisioning works via HTTP, right? So on your machine, uh, open source tool is running and they're calling, you know, some APIs in the cloud to provision the infrastructure. And these APIs are independent from the tool, right? Terraform has to use the same API, Pulumi has to use the same API, and Bicep has to use the same API. So you have to know the API, and this is the challenge, to know which API is available on, on, uh, on AWS and which API is available on Azure. And if you know them, then you are portable. If you don't know them, then Terraform won't help you. And this is a very common misunderstanding, and I don't know where it comes from, because in several projects I had, like, we have to use Terraform because of portability. It's like, really, what is portable, right? Yeah, it's really interesting, uh, you know, to, talking about the portability is one of those myths. And, and we all know that even in the Java EE space, yeah. your, your WAR, your ER would not be 100% portable from WebSphere to mm -hmm. JBoss. You know, it was just a myth. And and as you say, the good thing with Java EE is you knew it wasn't portable, but you also knew that it would not cost much to, mm -hmm. to port sure. it. And, and I agree with what you were saying. Sometimes it's better to go with the right tool, bi a bicep on Azure, and go to the right tool on, a, on AWS. And... The portability is just you spending a few extra hours to write some bicep and write some AWS rather than, you know, trying to have this abstraction layer. Because I, you know, we have customers on the Java space. We have plenty of customers with Terraform because it was older. You know, it's older. It was there before. Um People are used to it. It's yeah. always the same thing, you know. I've been uh, using it for five years, and now you want me to move to uh, to yeah, Bicep. Sure. So of course we have plenty of customers who use uh, Terraform. But as you say, if they want to deploy on-prem and on Azure and on AWS, the Terraform will look different. The syntax is the same, yeah. but the modules are totally different, of yeah. course. But um, uh, Terraform had had its moments, right? Because uh, you could use with Terraform with OpenShift and whatever. So you can use the Terraform for, for modules, but I'm just talking about public cloud. So, I mean, Terraform is a perfect tool for different purpose. But if I would like enough to portability between clouds, it is not achievable with Terraform. And the argument that the developers already learned Terraform is not an argument because, you know, there, there is no even for and if loop. Every developer will understand Terraform in, in a few minutes if you show what happens, right? It's not like you need their secret knowledge to, to be able to, to, to understand Terraform. You know, at the end of the day, uh, you started saying, you know, we want a repeat, a re repeatable uh, mm -hmm. deployments. And, you know, again, it's really nice to have uh, a CLI when you are prototyping, when you are working with customers, when you are trying new things, it's very, very good in one line, you push something to Azure. And then when you go in, pro in production or you change environments, you want something uh, repeatable. If you know Terraform, stick to it. Yeah, sure. No, if, no, no change. If you don't have any tool and you want to migrate to something, Bicep 
is the exactly. So I'm just saying, if you start choice. a greenfield project on yeah, Asia, I would exactly. just uh, bicep a go. Yeah, and then st- if it doesn't work for you, just use whatever works for you. Are you actually aware of ARM ARM templates? Yeah, that's behind, behind, behind. Exactly the, the scene, and really what is, behind. What What's yeah. really it's also in, in, in very important to uh, to to say is that the uh, repeatability and multi-stage comes from ARM templates. And uh, what it is, it's hard to, not not hard to explain. It's a declarative approach which maintains your state in the cloud. Yep. And this is the difference to SDK. So Azure has a nice, you know, Java SDKs for everything. So you could actually provision everything with Java. Yep. But this is imperative. So it means, you know, if you you will have to write Java code like, if the if the uh, virtual machine is not there, create one. If it's there, update one. Yeah. But with ARM, you say I need the machine, period. Yeah. And Bicep is built on ARM. Now the difference to Terraform is Terraform also does that, but the state is stored in your machine per default. Yeah. And if you would like to achieve something different, you will have to 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 configure Terraform to store the state in Asia somewhere, Cosmos DB or Blob Storage or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this has to be done. And this, in my project, it was not always well understood and developers started and the entire state was the secret and everything was on developer machine and other developer couldn't work because the state was on the one machine. But whereby if you start with cloud formation on AWS or ARM templates on Asia, the state is already stored in the cloud. So this is, this is important. Then it's really repeatable yep. because um, yeah, this, is, this was uh, a very common misunderstanding, uh, but it's actually somehow simple, right? And regarding J2E portability, um, I would say the bytecode was portable. The problem was, you know, like Hibernate and EclipseLink, they behave differently, for instance, right? So different locking behaviors or Whitefly, you know, uh, uh, was more aggressive with uh, closing the session. So, but I would say the portability was amazing, no? Yeah. I, I, we, we, for instance... Um, we are migrating lots of old Java E projects to Quarkus, and my clients are still amazed how easy it is. Yeah, yeah. So it was actually, it was uh, it was a huge success for the entire story, the entire Java Java E. Um, I, I told you already in one conference, I migrated an old Java E code as AWS Lambda and pushed it to the cloud. I could do the same with Azure Functions, which I actually will do uh, in in autumn, and um, and uh, and it, and it just worked. It was identical code. This, this was this was actually one of the you know upsides that uh, Java E was not that revolutionary. It was incremental development, and you know all the APIs remained the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we all know the story of Java EE and a few dramas that happened, and yeah. and unfortunately, you know, it slowed down the platform. But yeah, as you say, now unfortunately, there's a bit of uh, package uh, naming. You know, you you have yeah. to switch from Javax to Jakarta. But yeah, I. After twenty years, okay, you know. Yeah, it's it's amazing how, you know, the APIs are still are still there. You the entity still persisted in the same way. Yeah, it's quite amazing. Now Azure Functions, the last one, because you mentioned GraalVM. Yes. And what's interesting is, I use GraalVM on Azure, but I'm not use GraalVM on AWS. And people ask me why. And uh, if you go to the pricing table, you will find the answer. Because on if you have the premium plan on Asia, you are paying for invocations and for memory. So it means if you if your Quarkus is smaller, you pay less. Whereby on AWS there is no premium plan. It means if you need more CPU, you have to buy 
the CPU with RAM. So let's say if you would like to have one CPU, I have to spend or have to buy 1.7 gigs of RAM. With 1.7 gigs of RAM, you know, for Quarkus, I could actually cache the entire whatever, yeah. right? So, uh, and uh, and it doesn't matter how how much you know memory I, I consume actually. So this is the reason why on AWS I always go with the Coretto. On Asia, I ask about the plan because there's a difference. I wanted to to check, but it still remained the same. There's a consumption plan and the premium plan. And in the consumption plan, you just pay, you know, for the execution. That's fine. This is like AWS. But some of my clients need the premium plan. And premium plan means the function is only available from local data center. And in this plan, you're also paying for memory. So it means in this particular case, it is way cheaper to use GraalVM or Mandrel, for instance, right? And uh, yeah, and this is, for instance, the premium plan and, and, and consumption plan. This is interesting distinction because uh, the consumption plan is on demand and the premium plan, you get lambdas, which are already warm, which is really nice because then the uh, lambdas, Azure functions, because the Azure functions here, they really compete with uh, Azure container apps. This is a very similar model. They stay, you know, the entire time warm. There's, there's one difference still between the good old JVM and GraalVM is a monitoring. Yeah. Because as you know, the JVM is a 25 years old beast yeah. that tools everywhere. Yeah. You know, mo the monitoring of the JVM is, is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, with GraalVM, you end up with a binary. <laughs> so yeah. you've lost all the monitoring magic. Yeah. Um, so that's why sometimes some customers slow, slow down on, Gra on GraalVM if they don't have this aggressive uh, need for memory and startup time, they still remain on the good old JVM because they have all the monitoring goodies. Mm -hmm. um, so GraalVM Gra is very interesting, you know, yeah. uh, but it's not all the cases. And now with Crack coming, yeah. you know, we're arriving, maybe Crack in the future will become more advantages than GraalVM. We will see, but uh, maybe not in memory, who knows, but it, startup time you get the monitoring because it's the good old uh, vm the startup time could be as fast as graal vm maybe um you know the vm is optimized warmed up you don't need as yeah. much uh, memory yeah. to optimize uh, your code maybe crack you know could be something in the future i use already crack uh, scott snapstar on aws with crack yeah. and it uh works perfectly but uh, uh, the GraalVM people are also working on it, uh, on GraalVM optimizations. And I had already chat with uh, Thomas Wörtinger, and they say, okay, the, what they would like to have, you know, to be better than the JVM. So they're also working on the performance. But I have a different problem with GraalVM, if you think about this. If I run, let's say we already talk about the MS Linux from Microsoft, you know, or the MS OpenJDK. So if I run the function or Azure App Service, let's say, and um, so if I use the uh, the Microsoft JVM, you know, if it doesn't work, if it crashes, I can call, you know, uh, Martin Fairberg or, or Kirk Pepperdine at night and I say, hey, what's going on with the JVM, right? <laughs> yeah, I, bo I bought, you know, a Microsoft plan and uh, I get stack trace, right? But if I run GraalVM, I need support from Oracle or from Red Hat. And this is what many don't understand. So the, the I, it is actually not serverless. Because serverless means I just say, you know, to Microsoft, give me your Java 17 and patch it for me. I don't care what you are doing. 
But if you use GraalVM, now you are in charge of patching, you know, building, and uh, you only have to know it. And uh, if I mention this, I often hear a good point, right? Because uh, they, they don't think about this, that this is your binary, you have to care about, and if it crashes, it's your job to find the problem. One thing that it's underrated, I think, on the GraalVM, uh, which I really like, is the tree shaking, you know, the closed world assumption is... Mm -hmm. We have a WAV file that is 500 uh, megabytes. You have such we a leave, thing. We leave, yeah, Maven, <laughs> we leave Maven to pull hundreds of jars. We'll no, no, this, was, this is not our world. Um, for me, it was no dependencies. You know, my wars is like they, you can deploy them on an Apple Watch. Not if you come from Spring Boot. Oh, okay. This is this is uh, yeah. okay. This is a different different. But this is not world. And know. but the interesting thing with Graal VM, if you don't think, you know, if you leave the binary out, is they do what they call this closed world assumption, uh, which sometimes can be quite aggressive. But they remove unneeded code, and in terms of security, that's quite great because you end up instead of having millions of classes that you do not use mm -hmm. they get rid of all the unused code even methods and you just add this binary with only uh, the code that you use and i i think wait uh, they should do that just with bytecode you yeah, know sure. I, I would love but to Quarkus does that Quarkus does that because Quarkus you no know, calculates uh, in the build extensions you know the, the dependencies and what the Quarkus can do if if it starts you know Let's say you have application with lots of injected uh, dependencies, right? And there's like an island of dependencies which is not used. So Quarkus won't start this, you know? They say, okay, this CDI island is not used, like tree shaking, so I'm not starting this. And and this environment is passed to GraalVM later, and GraalVM uses the dependency graph to calculate. So I would say Quarkus already knows what's happened, and Micronaut as well. Yeah, but... but What's interesting with GraalVM is the code is 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 physically removed. Yeah. With you know yeah. with Quarkus it's you know it's, it's right. still in yeah. there. Yeah. That's why the binaries are small and the memory footprint yeah. also is small. But in terms of security, it's quite interesting because you know the log4j bug. You know, it, I wasn't using this method. Just get rid of it. Yeah. But then for serverless, what Kirk Pepperdine and Martin Feber should do is, if you ship. JVM, behind the scenes, in Microsoft should be in charge of translate the code to GraalVM because this, this changes, you know, because I say, okay, I pushed the JVM and Microsoft translated this for, or the cloud translated this to GraalVM and they are in charge of the GraalVM. The only problem is, of course, monitoring. But if I go, you know, to the cloud, I would expect monitoring from the cloud and not my own JVM monitoring, you know, should be also abstracted. So I think the future maybe is, there is a pipeline and there is one say, if you like, we can, you know, translate, you know, the JVM into native image. This is like, you know, checkbox. You have the AZD minus minus grollified, right? And <laughs> then grollifier. And then uh, and then you have your native image. This this changes my perception. We say, okay, look, client, you know, this is Microsoft. I'm out of this thing. And if you have problems, go to buy support from Microsoft. Not there yet with Graal. Gra no, no, but yeah, this but would be... Um, with uh, the JVM, yeah, yeah. This yeah, would be serverless yeah. experience, no? Cool. I think we covered everything, right? Because Kubernetes is like, you know, is on... It is there. You could start oh, it maybe once. Adam, I, I can't believe you, you, you say we, we've covered everything. We are in 2023. Uh -huh. If we don't talk about AI... 
Ah. We, if we haven't covered everything, you know. Yeah, OpenAI, we would like to talk about. <laughs> no, but it's, um, you know, keeping the Java space. You, you all know GitHub Copilot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, GitHub is from uh, Microsoft. OpenAI and Microsoft have a very close uh, relationship. But um, coming to the ja uh, Java space, there is this brand new thing called Semantic Kernel, mm -hmm. um, which now exists in .NET and Python. Mm -hmm. And the Java version will be coming soon in the next weeks. So you The will first have commit happened yesterday. Or two days. The, well, there's a branch. Yeah. There's a branch that been we've been working for a few, a few months, but mm -hmm. it's it's not in the main, but it will come to the main very 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 soon. So just to say how fresh it is. So semantic kernel is um, something really interesting that you you can plug different language models. You know, J, JPD four, JPD three, name them. Um, you have state, so it can keep state mm -hmm. uh, between prompts, etc., etc. And soon you'll have a Java API for that. So mm -hmm. hopefully, in um, you know, in a few weeks, months, we uh, we will be able to uh, publish uh, first release, you know, a zero dot one maybe. Mm -hmm. And in your in your Java code, you will be able to invoke just have an open AI key or Azure open AI key. Uh, you have your endpoint and that's it. You have, you can, in a very easy way, the, the, the API is a fluent API kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And very easy in your, in your Java code, you can invoke AI. So we have, Lately, to, start, we have, to, you have to start a JCP process, you know, JSR, <laughs> Java specification. <laughs> oh my God, this landscape is moving so fast that I'm not sure it will be ever standardized. Why not, you know, a string in, this is the input, and, you know, and, and, and list uh, of, of strings out, this is the output, you know, this would be yeah. the JSR. So we are... No, but uh, when we looked into, you know, lately AI has boomed, um, and for the last years, the only examples that uh, we see out there are mostly Python. Yeah. And the Java developers are, oh, okay, well, I have to learn Python now, which is okay, but, you know. And um, so, yeah, keep keep an eye. But the strange thing is, the, this is not even Python, right? Because the model is not Python. So Python loads binary, this is to my knowledge. So you could absolutely do it with Java. And uh, what I always, you know, uh, thought, if you do it with Java... It should be a way faster because uh, Java is way faster than Python. So I, I actually, it's a very good idea. So what you are saying, this uh, semantic kernel is, I get a Java API where I can call an already pre-existing model, ChatGPT4, let's say, and I can pass, you know, um, some arguments. The state is maintained for yeah. me. So I get yeah. my conversation scope again with CDI. Yeah. Exactly. Good old convention. <laughs> yeah, conversation exactly. Scope. So we can actually... <laughs> We can you know, pick up the old 15 years old talks and say, we are back in the game. You know, we have conversation scope with AI. Conversation scope, I love it. Conversation, yeah, this is, this should be, we should talk about it, right? So we are you know, from JSF to AI, conversation scope rocks. This would be the oh, title of the next, the next session. Let's do a talk together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and uh, yeah, something like a session, it remains your state. And you can, yeah, and you can write chatbots in Java. You could expose this as Quarkus, and yeah, yeah, great yeah. idea actually. That's actually what I'm what I'm working for as a side project. I'm 
I'm trying to have a Quarkus, maybe who knows later, a Quarkus extension on semantic kernel. It's still fresh. Maybe next year I'll come back to the podcast to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, but it's really interesting. So if you are a Java developer, of yeah. course, if you if mm -hmm. you listen to this podcast, and if you are a bit you know curious about mm -hmm. AI, mm -hmm. semantic kernel will have a Java API really soon. And yeah. you know even if this landscape is moving at a pass, you can't imagine the APIs are getting uh, refactored mm -hmm. once it's settled. In a couple of weeks, yeah. uh, it will be quite interesting to play with. Very good. So, uh, shortly before the podcast, I will send you a boots with a steel cap. You know, so nothing happens to your nails. Then, then we have we have the you know the episode for sure. It was lots of fun, and uh, we covered actually all the you know relevant or relevant the most popular I would say Asia services I would say, and even some you know AI stuff, right? Twenty twenty three. Yeah, course. of course. So, uh, I really would like to have you back with, you know, your experiments with Quarkus. I will. I'm still working when I don't sleep on my updating my Quarkus 3 books. Um, ah. God knows when it's going to be published, but um, yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. See you soon. Bye-bye, Adam. Bye, everybody. Thanks. <laughs>